0: Alright, yogis, let's get those headphones on and that volume up because it's time for Shala, the podcast dedicated to all things yoga. Here's your host, Sindhi Pradas. Hello, everyone. Namaste and welcome to Shala, our place of learning and sharing. I'm super excited, as I always am, because I love to tell stories. If you're a yoga practitioner or teacher, you may have heard names of poses like Anjaneyasan, Ashtavakrasan. Kaundinyasan, Galavasana, Marichayasan, Vashishtasan. these poses were named after characters from the ancient Indian texts and the myths and legends of the land. Another such powerful pose is Veerabhadrasana. The name itself, Veerabhadra, embodies strength, power and grace. Before we get into the storytelling, a few quick disclaimers. Most ancient cultures like India had stories that made references to gods, beings with supernatural powers, and deities that were worshipped. This podcast does not promote nor contradicts anyone's religious beliefs. Also, there is no documented evidence on whether these characters truly existed or not, and if they did, in what form, and whether certain events really happened or not. We don't know that for sure. These stories were passed from one generation to another. I heard some of these stories from my grandma when she told it to me as a story. But I assure you, she was not there to witness these happenings herself. So, let's take these stories for what they are. They are stories from the myths and legends of India. There is no reason to be offended in any way, for that's not my intent. So let's talk about Warrior Two, Ankle as if ready to lunge forward. The back leg is straight with the heel grounded to provide strength and stability. The torso is open to the side, hips sinking low, the lower and upper abs engaged. Shoulders resting away from the ears, allowing a long neckline. Both arms extending out, palms facing down, and the gaze just past the front fingers, as if looking at someone just beyond arm's length. Every muscle in the body is engaged, as if at the cusp of this potential energy converting into kinetic energy. Did I say I have a degree in physics? Yes, I do. Great. With all that going on, we know how it feels to be in Warrior Two. So what's with the story? Well, the story starts with, once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a king. And the king had a young princess who was at the age to be married. While the father is looking for a suitable groom, she's fallen in love with this guy. And let's face it, may not be the most good-looking guy. He's blue in color, wears a snake around his neck, has dreadlocks has a hot temper, he's considered to be a rogue, he's covered himself with ash called basma. Well, turns out he's also a form of god himself, but is kind of considered to be a rogue, like a destroyer. Against her father's wishes, she decides to get married to him anyway. The king, the father, is very unhappy, and he publicly disowns the daughter and the son-in-law and tells them never to come back again. Well, the daughter and the son-in-law, they decide to go live on top of a mountain. The story might sound very similar to a subplot in a movie, except perhaps for the top of the mountain part. Fast forward a few years. The king, the father, is hosting a huge religious ceremony, a ceremony that's held once in, say, a hundred years. Every ceremony would typically be accompanied by a huge religious fire, around which everyone would sit and pray. The bigger the ceremony, the bigger the fire, the more people invited. When a ceremony like this was held, kings from around the globe, around the universe, and gods, all would feel compelled to show their attendance, because fire, the symbol of eternal power, was present and witness to the event. So the king proceeds to invite everyone except for the daughter and the son-in-law. So I hope you're following me so far. Now knowing the importance of the ceremony, the daughter asks her husband whether he would accompany her to the father's house for the event since he, the husband, is considered to be amongst the rank of gods. The husband, still feeling the wounds of the insults from years ago, decides not to go, and he asks his wife to not go either. The love for her father and the importance of this event compels her to attend the ceremony. So she's now at her dad's house, and in the middle of the ceremony, the father notices the daughter, and instead of welcoming her, proceeds to insult her and her husband in front of all the guests. Angered by these insults, She walks into the fire and kills herself. The moment the husband found out what happened, remember, he's got God powers, he pulls his dreadlocks and throws it towards the earth where the ceremony is taking place and says, from this will rise my brave brother who will avenge my wife's death. Let's pause on the story and look at the three warrior postures, warrior one, two, and three. Warrior one is harder of all three warrior postures. The same structure of the foot stance as warrior two, except the hips are squared pointing forward, shoulders squared pointing forwards, arms up in the air, and a huge rotation of the back hip flexor. The structure of warrior one signifies the birth of the brave brother, rising from the dreadlocks the moment they hit the earth. The forward gaze of the pose is staring at the king right in front of him. Warrior two, the arms come down and stretch out, the hips face the open side, gaze is still on the king past the front hand, and the body stance is open. Imagine the back extended hand holding a heavy object, perhaps a sword, and the front extended arm is providing maximum leverage for when the sword is to come forward and drop on the king's neck. You might get the picture. This is warrior two. Now imagine the back arm with the heavy object of the sword taking a giant powerful overhead swing. The back foot pivots on the ball of the foot Hips pivot forward and facing down, the back leg up in the air, the front leg straightened and both hands outstretched in front, holding the king's head and putting it on the spike to let everyone know what this king had done. This is Warrior 3 or Airplane. Whether the story is true or not is not important here for me. What's fascinating to me, however, is the thought of connecting a myth, a legend, a story to a pose with such remarkable precision. So let me introduce you to the characters involved in the story. The king, the father, his name was Daksha. His daughter, the princess, her name was Sita. The husband she married, his name was Shiva often referred to as the real yogi. The human form that appeared from Shiva's dreadlocks was Vira Bhadra, considered to be an avatar of Shiva for obvious reasons. The word Veera means courageous or the brave one and the word Bhadra means brother. Veera Bhadra, my courageous brother. So that's the story Bhadra. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did learning about the story and sharing it with you. Until we meet again, I bow to you. Namaste.